Amen. And that's, that last part of that video is, is really uh, the main goal. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful place, as the video mentioned. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, but but the, the, the main reason to be there is to give the gospel to people. And that ought to be our main reason right here in Maslin. Amen. And, uh, and so uh, we're just excited to get there. We're thankful. Thank you for your prayers. I, I, many of you took a prayer card. Thank you so much for that. And just, uh, just the, the kindness, the generosity of, of the day has been uh, just so encouraging to us. Uh, thank you for your sweet spirit. And you pray for us. We are, we're about halfway there as far as support. And so we're looking forward to what, what God is going to do. Right now, there are some things up in the air with the, with the borders uh, to New Zealand. A lot of the, or the borders are closed to non-citizens. And so that kind of plays a little bit of a role into us getting to New Zealand. Uh, as far as applying for a visa and all those things, there's kind of some things up in the air with that. So pray that God will work out all the details with that and just, and just kind of work everything else out that, quite frankly, is out of our control. It really is. And so uh, just uh, being praying for uh, us for that and then also just for the people of New Zealand, uh, for, for the hearts uh, to be softened before we ever even get there. Amen. And, and that's what we're praying for. So uh, thank you so much again for the great day. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. And I said this morning that John chapter number 8 is my, one of my all-time favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, Acts chapter 16 probably rivals that pretty closely. So you're getting some, kind of some of my biased favorites tonight. Uh, I hope you don't mind. But... Uh, this is, uh, again, this is a very exciting chapter uh, in, the, in the Scriptures, and, and just, a, just a very awesome passage of Scripture. And, and just it really shows uh, God's detail to, to His work and to what He wants to get done. And folks, our God isn't just up there just kind of floating around and you know, striking people with a, with a lightning sword. He's got a plan, He's got a purpose, and He's going to work that out. And uh, this passage of Scripture kind of shows that. And so, Acts chapter number 16, we'll just read a few verses. We'll end up kind of going through all of it. But uh, for sake of time, we'll just read a few verses. And we'll start in verse uh, number 9. So, Acts chapter 16, verse number 9, it says this, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I'd like to preach a message entitled tonight, An Imperative Call That Led to an Incredible Night. An Imperative Call Led to an Incredible Night. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, again, thank you just for the encouragement that's been to me. And Lord, just the spirit of this church, I thank you so much for that. And Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, Lord, once again tonight, that you would just be honored and glorified, and God, that you'd be lifted up, and Lord, perhaps you would uh, encourage, uh, challenge, Lord, even convict uh, someone here tonight. We pray and ask these things in your name. Amen. If I were to, if I were to mention this date to you, 9-11-2001, certainly many things come to your mind, many emotions, uh, Sadness, anger, uh, you name it. Many things probably, even just saying that date, flood your memory. Maybe when you got the phone call. Maybe when you first saw uh, those, 
those planes going into the towers or, or where you first just even heard the news or where you were at. And, and certainly that day is one that we will never forget. I really don't think we will. I think it's etched into America's history. I really do. And so often we think about that day and we think about all of those things that took place that day and, and the horrors of it and, and the, the terrible things that took place. As Again, we saw those planes going into the buildings and going into the field. And so often we, we sometimes tend to focus on those things. We, we, we think about those things and, it, and it, it hurts us. But oftentimes we also forget about May of 2011. Say May 2011. What happened in May 2011? Think about that. Some of you are like, well, that's my birthday month. I don't, you know, I don't know. You're thinking about May 2011. What, what, what happened during May of 2011? Well, that was the month that we captured Osama bin Laden. And if, uh, a few, I don't know, probably a year or so ago, I was reading a, a book that, was, that documented the men who captured Osama bin Laden. And in that book, it, it was an incredible book, in that book, the, the, the man who, who literally pulled the trigger to take down Osama bin Laden, one of the world's most wanted men in history, is, is talking about that night that they, they went to go after Osama bin Laden. And as the chapters lead up to that, you know, one of the closing chapters where it kind of comes to that climax, he explains in the book, that they had been essentially uh, stalking Osama bin Laden for months prior. They had thought that he was living in this compound in Pakistan. It was a, it was a three-story compound, and, and after you know camera work and, and kind of secretive missions to go inside and all these things, they were pretty for certain that Osama bin Laden was in that compound along with his family and obviously other soldiers and, and Taliban and things like that. And, and, and they, were, they were almost certain that they could go in and capture him. And so for months, they, they researched, they planned, they went over the mission, they went uh, over the things that could go wrong and how to you know, counteract those problems. And, and, and to make a long story short, the night finally came for them to go and capture Osama bin Laden. And in the book, he talks about how as they were preparing to go, they, they had to go uh, essentially in the middle of the night, the, the darkest part of the night, and they had one hour to complete this mission. And I forget all the details of, of why it was an hour, but nonetheless, they had, a, they had a strategic plan to go in and to capture him. And as you read the story, and he begins talking about how they, they, they get in the Chinook, and they, they start flying over to, to this compound, and, and as they're landing... Uh, the, 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 the one chopper that was holding these, these military uh, special forces units, th that helicopter actually crashed at the entrance of the compound. And that caused them to go to plan B, if you will. So at this point now, the, the, kind of the, the way to go in secretively had been, had been blown. Their cover had been blown. And now at this point, it was kind of a, a, a reaction. A, a, how, how are we going to get through this now that the the, the original plan is kind of messed up. And he talks about how they, they enter into the compound and they had believed that bin Laden was staying in the third level of that compound. And as they go through the first level, they cleared the first level and, and they, had, they had got to the, uh, the second level, they cleared the second level and they were, they were about to get to the third level where they believed Osama bin Laden was hiding out. 
And as they were going up that third level, one of the, the, the men who was who's writing this story realized something was off. He w- they were so detailed in this mission that they had, they had the count of how many people were in that compound. And before they climbed that third level to go up and, and, and get Osama bin Laden, the, the man who's telling the story realized that they had, there was still one person that they believed was on the second level that they had, that they had not cleared yet. And as they were doing that, they, they, they were going up the second level, and, and the man put his shoulder on his mate that was going up the third level, and he stopped him. And he noticed that as he stopped him, if he, when he looked up, there was a man who was pointing down from the third level ready to take a shot. And the man writing the story said this, I didn't know what else to do, and so all I said was that man's name, man above us, I said his name in Arabic. And the moment that he said his name, that man peeped over the, the third level looking down, and they, they took him out. And they got up into the third level. They get into the third level, they open up the door, and sure enough, there is Osama bin Laden. And in, in a moment, in, in, in just the, the planning and, and just the skill that they have, uh, the, the soldier that that blew down the door or knocked down the door, dove. There was, there was some women there, so they, he dove on top of those women. The man behind him walked in and shot Osama bin Laden, killing him instantly. And at that moment, the man telling the story, after he pulled the trigger a, a few times, walked up to Osama bin Laden and he said this. He said, I looked him in the eye, and we began cleanup. So they cleaned them up, they, they, went, they raided the compound, they got devices, they got computers, they got hard drives, all these things, and they began to get down and walk down that compound and get on the backup helicopter and fly back to base. And as they were flying back, they landed back at the base, and, and, and there was kind of a buzz in the air. They, they walked in, and he said, yeah, we opened up the body bag, and people were checking them out. And finally, after a few minutes, they zipped him back up, and he said this in the story. He said, we zipped the bag back up. We went, to de- went over to debriefing. I had a snack, and I went to bed. And the chapter ends. You think, wow, that's kind of anticlimactic, right? I had a snack. And so the next chapter picks up, and the next chapter talks about how that night for them wasn't some historic evening. It wasn't some you know, monumentous time in history that they were going to, you know, I would be talking about behind pulpits of America and, and you'd, you'd have these news clippings. And of course, if you remember it now, it, it, they, they showed it the following night on TV. And if you're watching baseball games, they stopped baseball games. And you remember the USA, you, you know, all that. He said, we weren't thinking about that. He said, the only thing that we were doing that night was what we felt we were called And when I read that, that sentence, it's always stuck with me. We were doing what we were felt we were called to do. Whenever that was, whatever age that was, where they felt that that was what they wanted to do with their lives, that was just part of it for them. It was just what they felt they should do. And they felt 
That was their calling. And folks, I believe tonight in our passage of Scripture, we find a calling that's far greater than any military mission, far greater than any historic night in America, far greater than capturing America's most wanted. But it's the calling of God. It's the calling of God among Christians, among pastors, among missionaries, you name it. It's God's calling on your life. And I believe that there's three characteristics that we find about, quite frankly, the most important call one can take upon their life. And number one, it's this. Our call is understood. Our call is understood. Look at verse number six of our, of our passage of Scripture. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 6. It says this, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. You say, what's, what's the point about those two verses? Why did you have us turn there? Well, I want you to notice two words. Number one, the first one is found in verse 6. They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. And then the second one is in verse number 7. The Spirit suffered them not. You say, what's happening here? Well, folks, I'm here to tell you that Paul and, 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 and uh, Timothy, they, they were talking about how they wanted to go to a certain area. In this passage of Scripture, they're, they're talking about it. And, and, and Paul basically says, you know what? I wanted to go to Phrygia, Galatia. I wanted to go to Mysia, Bithynia, but you know what? The Spirit stopped them. They, they, they wanted to go to a certain spot. They wanted to be somewhere, but the Spirit said, no, I, I don't want you to do that. I, I want to direct you somewhere else. I want to take you somewhere else. I want, to, I want to stop you from going there because I believe there's something that is specific about your call. It, it must be done. And it's amazing to me that Paul understood that. You say, how could he even... How could you get to that point where, and let's face it, Greg, it wouldn't have been wrong to go into Galatia. It wouldn't have been wrong to go into Mysia and give people the gospel. And you're right, it's not. But when God has something specifically designed for you, you better understand what that is. And Paul understood that. Paul had to be walking daily with the Spirit over and over and over again to be able to even have the common sense or to have the, the knowledge of what to do in the situation. You know, it's amazing when you, you read the, the, the letters of Paul and you come across phrases like, I die daily. You know, and, and often with times we think about, you know, like putting away something that we want to do, you know, that, that's fleshly and all these things. Well, have you ever thought about that maybe dying daily might be dying to something that you want to do that's good, but God wants to use something that's even better? Because in this passage of Scripture, I believe Paul had to die to himself. He had to say, all right, you know, I, I want to go to these places. I, I'm desiring to go to these places. I, I feel like it'd be good, but all right, Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll obey you. I'll put my wants, my desires away, and, I, and I'll follow you. Turn to Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. Look at verse number 6. It says this, Being confident 
of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, I've, I've read that verse in, in uh, teenage settings, right? Youth group settings. And I've preached, hey, you know, God is doing something in your life, and, and you know, He wants to do that good work, and He's going to perform it in you. Amen, amen, right? And we get all excited. But I think sometimes we forget that that good work is only good if we decide to follow it. And we decide to obey it. And we decide to surrender to ourselves and say, alright God, here am I, use me. God, here's, here's my pocketbook. God, here's my, here's my life. Here's my family. Here's my children. Boy, I tell you what, I've, I've, I've learned some things as a parent the last year. Imagine that, right? And I've learned that, man, that, that beautiful baby girl of mine that I love so much and is just, I think is the cutest thing in the world and, and just makes me laugh all the time and makes other people laugh. Man, that, that baby's not mine. God has entrusted me to steward that child, but it's not mine. She's not mine. And, and, and for me to understand that, you know what, sometimes I better be careful. Because I, I admit, all right, here's, here's a dad moment. Sometimes I believe that I could, I could get to the point where I'm so concerned, I'm so focused on her and on her needs and her desires and her wants that sometimes I've noticed myself kind of getting off course spiritually. Now, and I'm not saying to the point where you know, I'm forsaking God and all these things. I'm not saying that. But I think if we, we better be careful that we don't even allow things like family and, th- and good things to become things that distract us from this good work. And so Paul understood his calling. He understood that he needed to be walking with Jesus Christ day in and day out to understand that. And by the way, when you get a hold of that calling, folks, the Christian life becomes so abundantly joyful. Boy, I tell you what, we are having a blast serving Jesus. We really are. And when you understand that, when you get a hold of that, man, it's just, it's, it's life-changing. So number one, the call is understood. Number two, our call is urgent. Our call is, look at verse number 10. Our call is urgent. So in verse number 10, so a, after this happens, they, he, he, um, the Holy Spirit stops them from going to these places. And in verse 9, Paul gets the vision. And the vision of, is of this man in Macedonia. And Paul gets the direction to go to Macedonia. And in this vision, this man is saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And then in verse 10, I find this so interesting, so powerful. It says, and after he had seen the vision, which was, we find in verse 9, was in the night, the Bible says. We, uh, uh, and after Paul had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. You know what I find about this passage of Scripture? Paul got what he was supposed to do, and boy, he did it. He recognized the urgency of the call. He recognized that there was a man, a Macedonian, saying, hey, come over. We need your help. We need the Gospel. We need, we need this, the, the Holy Spirit of God in this place. We, we, need, we need the Gospel salvation preached. Please, just come over. And Paul immediately went to where God had specifically called him to go. 
don't know about you, but when I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I find out about how, how Paul, pretty much his main desire was to know if you were saved or you were lost. If you were in Christ or if you were not. You find that in 1 Corinthians. And then when you read passages like this, it's like it almost just ties together perfectly. No wonder why that's all he cared about. Because it's what God had called him to do, and, it, and when he got that calling, it was just game on, gung-ho, let's go. And Paul was there. He was preaching the gospel. Let me ask you this. Is that your desire today? When's the last time you shared the gospel? I know it's been tough with COVID and, and you know, knocking on doors and things like that. But recently I came across some statistics that, quite frankly, just uh, convicted me, challenged me. I want you to listen to a couple of these. According to the world statistics, every 10 seconds, 15 people slip off into eternity. Every 10 seconds. Every 40 seconds, somebody is taking their own life. Last year, 300,000 12 years old and younger people claim to have used heroin. 12 years old and under, 300,000 of them. The average age of a person coming into a Planned Parenthood facility right now is the age of 17. I want you to do something for me real quick. On the count of three, just take a deep breath. Take the deepest breath you can take. Ready? One, two, three. Let it out. According to statistics, five people just died and went to hell. Folks, is that, does that concern you? Does that bother you? Does it move you, or is it just another, you know, fancy statistics that you hear behind the pulpit? We've all been there, right? We've all heard it. Or is it something that causes you to realize, boy, our call is urgent. Our call is, is dire. It is, it is so needed. I believe Paul understood that. I believe Paul understood that, listen, no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, no matter if the Holy Spirit tells me to not go here or not go there, you know what? That where he tells me to go, I'm going to give the gospel. Because people need it. Number one, our call must be understood. Number two, our call is urgent. And number three, our call is uncomfortable. You say, well, that's not. I, hope, I was hoping you didn't get to that point. Our call is uncomfortable. We find in, in our passage here that, that uh, we won't take time to read it all, but to kind of sum it up, they, they arrive in Macedonia. You know, Lydia gets saved and things are going great. She invites them into her house. She takes care of them. They begin to pray. And the Bible says the moment they begin to pray, a possessed woman comes in. A, 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 a possessed of Satan. 
she comes in, she starts, you know, causing a ruckus and, and uh, tries to harass Paul and Silas. And, and the Bible says many days this is taking place. And then finally, you know, Paul kind of has enough and, and commands that the demon be cast out of her. And, and, and the problems, however, they continue because you find later on in the, in the passage that the leaders of, of, of Macedonia, that lady was their hope, the Bible says. They, they kind of had sent her in to kind of disrupt things. And Paul took care of that and cast the demon out. So now that, there goes that plan for them. And so now they get so upset, they cast Paul in prison. Uh, and Paul slides into jail. They, they beat him, and they throw him into jail. And we pick up basically in verse 23. Acts 16, verse number 23, and it says this. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Just, just Acts 16 alone. Has Paul done anything wrong? No. Let's see, has Paul obeyed God? Yeah. He obeyed him where to not go, and then where to go. We, we find that. Has he seen people saved? Yeah, right? Lydia got saved. So, so far we've seen that. Check, check, check. He's, he's even performed some miracles. He's, he's removed demons from this lady. So on the outside, this checklist looks pretty good. And yet Paul finds himself beaten and battered in a jail cell. <laughs> Sounds pretty uncomfortable. Sounds pretty, uh, I don't know, why me? You know, God, wait a minute, I thought I was doing everything. You know, I, I obeyed you, the Holy Spirit stopped me, I obeyed that. He stopped me again, I obeyed that. I went to Macedonia, I obeyed your vision. You know, I, I've been preaching the gospel, we've seen people saved. I've, I, I've removed this demon from this woman, and yet, you know, here I am. Thanks a lot, God. No, we don't find that. In fact, we see Paul and Silas... We find in, in verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas began praying and singing praises unto God. I'll tell you what, 2020 was a little uncomfortable. Can I get an amen on that one, right? We, we, uh, if I'm honest with you, there were times, I was, just telling, I was uh, telling Brother Rice today, man, there was, there's times in 2020, and I'll be honest with you, Rebecca and I thought about, you know what, let's just turn around. Literally, on the highway. Turn around, go back home, ride this thing out, wait for all this stuff to pass, and then we'll get back at it. I, I'll be, I'm, just, I'm just being honest with you tonight. That was me. Multiple times. Things got a little uncomfortable. But I'll tell you what, I'm standing here tonight, literally standing here tonight, because we persevered. And because we understood that, hey, sometimes the calling will get uncomfortable. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, we're in missions month. I'll, I'll correlate it to missions month. And listen, sometimes the bills are going to amount. The bills are going to rise. Things will come up. Things will happen. And you'll be faced with a decision. You know what? Am I going to give to God? Am I going to serve Him? Am I going to, you know, uh, keep my commitment for the year or the month or whatever it is? Or am I going to say, all right, God, not, not today. You know, I, eh, you see what's happening, God. You see what you did to me, right? You, you allowed this to happen. Or are we going to persevere? It might get a little uneasy. It might get scary, even dangerous at times. But we must 
press on. We must press on. I can't help but think of recently all that's happening just in America alone. If you're, if you're concerned, if, you're, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just turn on the TV for five minutes. Watch, watch the 6.30 news with David Muir on ABC. And you'll find out that this world is just... Listen, I'm here to tell you, the world in, in, in the flesh, in Satan himself, they're not stopping. All right? They're, they are full steam ahead, pedal to the metal. They are moving forward with their agendas, with their whatever you want to call it. They're moving forward. May God help us to give a little pushback. Amen? And to get the gospel out to people, because that's the only thing that's going to change them. Folks, sometimes our call will be uncomfortable. But lastly, and perhaps my favorite part about this, is that even in the midst of all that, our call is unstoppable. Look at verse number 30. So they, in verse 25, they pray and they sing praises. And in verse 26, we find that the, the great earthquake takes place and their bands are loose and the keeper of the prison you know, wakes up out of sleep there and, and he, he knows that he's in so much trouble because he didn't watch them and now they're, you know, they're broken out of these, these bonds. And Paul says this, and in verse uh, no, number 28, he says, Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. That jailer was going to kill himself because he, he understood the penalty for what he did. And in verse 29, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, the, the, the jailer came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And notice this, verse number 30. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Boy, I tell you what, your pastors would want to hear that more often, I'm sure. That is some ripe pickings right there. What must I do to be saved? Wow. What an incredible opportunity that through all of this, all the the beatings and, and, and and the jailing and all these things, it's just brought right before them, right in the breadbasket, if you will. And we find in verse 31, they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Can you imagine that? Just a few hours prior, the, the man who is whipping you and beating you and, and throwing you into prison and, and, and putting these locks on you, these bonds are you, a, a few hours later is washing those very stripes that he beat you with. You can't write this stuff. Folks, that's the power of the gospel. And that's the power of God on your life when you fulfill His calling. You want to have some fun in the Christian life? Take up your calling. Take up what, what God has, has so uh, mercilessly, or mercifully and graciously called you to do. Whatever that is. Go to Scripture, go to prayer and say, God, just use me, and then watch Him use you. Turn to Romans chapter 8 as I close. Romans chapter 8, and verse 31. Romans chapter 8. A 
along these lines of our call being unstoppable. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's a verse I'm sure you've heard, and I'm sure you've maybe even heard preached on before. Folks, don't forget that. Don't forget that in the hard times. Don't forget that in the trials. Don't forget that in 2021 when, when, you know, 2021 was supposed to be so great compared to 2020. Right? Don't, don't forget that. I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you. In 2021, I, we're three and a half months in or so. I've had some trials already. I've had some times where I thought, hey, all right, God, you're going to take this one over. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is about my pay grade here. This one's on you. And again, I'm here today because he's faithful. May God help us to understand that his final command before leaving earth, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. May that final command be our first priority as a Christian living here today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I ask that tonight, Lord, you would, uh, Lord, help us to understand our calling, Lord, that it is it is the greatest calling uh, that, that anyone can receive, Lord, when it's from you. And I pray that tonight, Lord, we would be, we would be uh, just challenged, Lord, and, and be strengthened and encouraged to continue on, Lord, getting out the gospel in this area. And Lord, I pray that as uh, Anchor Baptist, Lord, goes through their missions month, that you would continue to work in their hearts, continue, Lord, to draw them to you. Lord, continue to challenge them to reach souls uh, in their area, in their, in their mission field. We ask these things in your name. Amen. As we stand to our feet.